for me to create things, create things with people, with myself, to put things out into the world. I'm Jewish. This idea uh, it's called tikkun olam. The literal translation is fix the room, but I th- but the 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 term really you know is meant to, to say is uh, heal the world, and um, that uh, is sort of. And I, 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 it's, it's the idea that like, it's, 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 it's our responsibility to leave the world better than we found it. And more important than like me putting the art out that's in my head, what I constantly come back to and being able to like, like kind of look back over my shoulder and see it flooded with incredible heartfelt and meaningful art put out by people that I know and love and uh, believe in um, either their talent or their art or the, you know, their, their mission. It's Uncommon Good, the podcast where we chat to ordinary people doing uncommon good in service of our common humanity. I'm Polly Reese. Fam, I am delighted to bring you Mark Stetson. He's a filmmaker and producer whose resume includes Condé Nast and Mashable. If you've ever watched a Mashable celebrity interview on YouTube, he's probably the person who interviewed that guest and edited the video together. He's a longtime house performer at the People's Improv Theater in New York, where his show Awkward Family Dinner plays regularly. Content warning. There is some explicit language in this episode. Plus, we talk about depression, the controversy in the New York improv scene, the death of a parent, and with some anatomical detail, fertility. So, as always, if those things are things that are not right for you to listen to, switch this one off and we'll catch you in the next one. We go on to talk about creating his one-person show, Stetsend, lessons he learned from Jewish camp as a kid, how he learned he was a Reiki practitioner, what Reiki is, and all things the Sega Genesis. He was my very first taped remote interview. Please enjoy my conversation with Mark. So there, there was a thing that connects the two of us that I wanted to talk about immediately. And it yeah. is this profound love for the Sega Genesis and the Sega CD. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was the... Yeah, I mean, it's it's in my opinion still the greatest video game system of all time. What was it like? What what is it that that makes it so much greater compared to like the Nintendo Entertainment System or SNES or maybe like like the fifty two hundred or or the Commodore sixty four <laughs> for that matter? Like, I think I mean I think for me I think most of it just has to do with my like nostalgia and just yeah. like my own personal connection to it. More so than like any like I mean, like the graphics at the time, of course, were like, I mean, sixteen bits from eighteen from from eight. I mean, that was mind blowing. Right. Um, but it was like the like I having grown up with two much older brothers or eight and ten years older than me. Like I was born, and then basically like Nintendo already existed. It seemed so like I was so this was the first, and I just I would watch them play video games for hours, and I would like I learned how to play video games playing with them but i always i always felt like it was theirs this is the first system that came out in my time that i was like this 
like and it's black and it's co- it's like cool it's like you know it's like the cool it's like whereas like nintendo is like white and gray and red like it just like <laughs> it just like it like everything from like the look to like it was like it was like it, as a 10 year old kid like everything about it the marketing was perfect and i was just like i need this system and it felt like something like of my own i haven't thought about this in like 25 years <laughs> but i i remember the slogan being this square of 25 characters all sort of spaced out like a sudoku and i think <laughs> i think the slogan was welcome to the next level am i am i close yep welcome to the next level perfect so yeah. like it's like, i yeah you're, you're absolutely right i remember it it, was, it looked like a spaceship to me i think like it's yes. like this black sleek thing which means like you can see like even the tiniest particle of dust but yeah well yes yeah yeah like it, it definitely like 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 it looked dirty immediately but also yeah. like but you're right like it was like like nintendo's all boxy and like square and this like like it, like, it, like there were no hard angles it was all curves it, it, it yeah it felt like what a ufo like it like it 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 um it was otherworldly it was otherworldly exactly yeah and then and then the games were so awesome I always go back to Sonic, like the first, like, 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 like when, when I got the new, like when I got the the, the Sega, the, the like the new Sega Mini. First thing I had to play was yeah. Sonic. Like that one just has such a special, and it's such a and a perfect game. It's a perfect game in my. Opinion. What is it that makes it perfect? Um, it I in my opinion, it like it, it took what like Mario had established as like the like you know like side to side you know like levels like mm-hmm. like you know uh, game of just like of like running through levels but it yeah. like it took it to the next level like it's like it's, it's one it's one of the only scenarios in which like the log line or like the or like the, like the slogan actually like 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 came through and like was actually correct because <laughs> yeah. it yeah. was like because it was like it was everything i loved about mario but it was like cooler and it was like it was this like animal that like i never had thought to be cool before and they, it, it, it's this like blue hedgehog and the music was awesome um and it was and it, the cool thing about it too is that it was like it was like it because of how fast he was and how fast the levels moved it like kept you wanting to move faster it like like it made you mm. not want to like sit and hang out in any particular spot which mm. i don't know it, it just it, it like i don't know I, I feel like maybe like the whole speed through concept like that's where i feel like it began. I think it began with Sonic. If I can Ooh, make a sweeping running. statement, that was my favorite at the time. It was Sonic. So nice. now, looking back, I think it's for for. I mean, I there's there's a game. It's a super rare Genesis game called Decap Attack. That uh, is uh, that I found. It was it was one of those like it, oh, like nice. my mom took me took me to Toys R Us. It was like my it was like just a random weekend. I had like done well in school or something and i saw this game where on the cover it was a a flying mummy with huge broad shoulders like a linebacker and no head except he was holding his head and that was the cover and it was called decap attack and i was like i need 11 year old me was like i need this game what and that's it i mean it's it's a yeah it's a game where you are this mummy and you are going through these levels you know trying to defeat the level and uh just like in Mario or in Sonic you know like you know you can you can gain things that give you special allowances and powers and sometimes you can 
get your head. And when you have it on, instead of just like normally where you just have to jump on things to smash them, you yeah. can throw your head and destroy. The, and it was just the silliest game. What? It's not the best game by a <laughs> long shot. It is not a great game. It's hilarious and it's weird. And it has remained the the game I talk about the most when I talk about Genesis. You're making now because now you're making me think. Like I, I wonder if someone saw that some some enterprising developer saw that and thought this could be like the next big thing, and then built Earthworm Jim off of that concept. Possible. I mean, Earthworm Jim is the superior game. Uh, I mean, it, it might be. I mean, some would call it, and I wouldn't necessarily disagree. Probably the one of the most superior Genesis games. Period. Earthworm Jim, I would say, blows blows me away so so i want to broaden a little bit thinking about this thing that we that we love that we enjoy so much things like this like what what sorts of things out there i i I think this is going to be the the question that we begin most episodes of the podcast with i don't know this is the (laughs) second one i've recorded but so far it's been one of the first questions what sort of things inspire you light you up are do you find to be life-giving or joyful um movies uh first and foremost i mean yeah i mean ever since i was a kid um um yeah i mean it was you know i was a kid i was a kid with uh two parents who worked and two older brothers who had their own lives you know so like i was you know i i i there were a loving family but like i i i spent a lot of time alone and the thing that like i was able to like that just sucked me in immediately and that I was, I became obsessed with at a very early age was, was movies. I would just watch, I would, I would find a movie that I liked and I would just watch it over and over and over and over and over again. And that hasn't really stopped. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's transitioned over to like streaming, to, to like television shows and everything, but like, yeah, uh, I'd say that like the thing that like lights me up the most, makes me most excited. Um, which is why I like went into making them. Uh, yeah. Is like, is, movies and television are there any specific films tv shows that you remember like repeating like on on repeat yeah. as a kid uh three amigos um history of the world part one those movies were at the top of my list at like a very early age of just like uh just obsessively like as soon as it would end i would pop it right back in and start watching it over and over again what what about those films stands out because both big like pretty big like blockbuster comedies you've got mel brooks and then you've got the the snl three what what stands out i think i um for for three amigos there was something about like uh westerns that like from mm. from the get go, I was really into like 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 when I would watch Three Amigos, I had like a whole ritual at like five years old. I would like I had this like paper mache giraffe that my dad brought that I I, I I fell in love with at my dad's office, and he just brought it home one day, and I would sit on it like a horse, and I would have uh, holsters uh, with with like little toy guns in them and a sombrero, and I would just sit <laughs> on the horse, and I would just act out the whole movie while it was going on. Um, and I think it was something about like the westernness of it, like the in yeah. like you know the cowboys, 
um, the cowboy, the cowboy element, and also just the fact that like I don't know something about Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Chevy Chase. Even at that age, I just like they just hit this like this like energy with me that like I was just like I was like I was like that's where like I was like I was like that's that's the that's where I want to like resonate you know as a performer and as a like as characters like it was just like i just fell in love with them Ooh, ooh, yeah western buddy movie like yeah you you heard you heard it here bro <laughs> descended from three amigos there we are so yeah yeah you so your your love of movies you you started directing film uh you you sent me a film uh, the attendant that you that you directed yes. was that 2016 am i close I think so let me see it was 20 when uh 20, 20 yeah like, that sounds right 2015 2014 2015 yeah so so i i had never i had never heard heard of the film before can, for for someone who hasn't heard about it, can you tell us about it yeah yeah so it was a short film that i uh, that i directed and edited um yeah, bat, you know, yeah, a few years ago, that was written by Karen Levis, who's like a um, an amazing playwright, uh, and it was actually the attendant was originally uh, a one act play hmm. that um, I believe won a few like um, like uh, at least one um, award for her, and she was like, and then um, she cast a friend of mine, uh, Lee Adele Arnold, who uh, starred in it and uh, co produced it with me, um, uh, and she she was really she really she she uh she was in the play and felt yeah. so connected to it that wanted to she wanted to turn it to a short and we talked about it and i i, I and i loved it and we decided to 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 turn it to turn into to turn into a short film uh the the premise is and it's autobiographical um mm. about a, a woman who is at a, a film premiere after party and in the bathroom and is just like in a really low point and is uh, sort of pouring her heart out into the mirror, but kind of to the bathroom attendant, who normally we see them as sort of like a you know a, a bathroom attendant is kind of just like, why are they there? You know, they're they 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 give you mints that you don't really ask for. They hand you a paper towel you can grab yourself. Um, they're just really they they're they're uh, most people don't really either even acknowledge the attendant if it's there and if they do it's sort of to as a, a frustrating aspect of their bathroom going experience hmm. um so but she's pouring her her heart out to to this woman uh, who didn't ask for it but you know <laughs> because she's there and then um this man comes into the woman's bathroom you see very quickly he he'd followed the the woman lee's character in mm. um because they'd had a conversation earlier and he was very attracted to her was really into her mm. and she was into him and it's this sort of like moment in time of these two people uh at times you think it's going to be a love story and then it sort of turns because you find out that he has a wife and a child who are at the party um and it's sort of, you know, it goes from there. Mm. But then, you know, as like most people, you forget the attendant is there. By the end, the attendant um, makes makes herself um, known uh, yeah. in a very powerful way and, and sort of saves the day uh, when things get a little, uh, um, when things get a little rough. Mm. 
I was so as I was watching this movie, I was really struck by how much at like a very visceral body emotional level that I was that I was impacted by this movie. Oh. There are there are th- there are these incredible moments where like the creep factor of of the the attendant being there plus the the guy uh, following Leah's character and 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 she was phenomenal um, like I mean it's essentially it's essentially it's essentially like a five minute monologue plus well the rest of it before which which creates the premise of the 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 film then the there there's a certain like v- deep profound discomfort and elements of ho- like profound re real horror not like supernatural horror but the horror of like the human experience it was it was amazing to me how affected i was with a very very brief running time it was like 15 minutes and with such a simple uh, such a simple production like you're talking about three actors what like like one or two cameras maybe one set and like one one lighting look so I wonder, is it is it easier to create an emotional connection with your audience when the project is simpler like that? Or does it become more difficult because there are fewer things to hide behind? Yeah, um, great question. I uh, well, first of all, yeah, I mean, I, I like, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm like, ecstatic that it uh, that it affected you i mean in yeah. that way i mean like I, i'm ecstatic that it affected you, that it creeped you the fuck out uh no but i, I i'm i'm like i i it's it's just great when like what you wanted to happen uh or, or what you're what you put into a film is reflected back um it's awesome um but yeah i so it answer your question um i mean yeah i i i i approach like everything that, that, that I've that, that I've filmed or, or made, I really try to approach it from like the simplest, uh, the simplest way possible because I feel like yeah, uh, whenever I've tried to like overcomplicate things is where the the intention it's way easier for the intention to get lost the more complex the more like layers you throw on it and the more complicated sure. you make it that if it's if it's if it's if it's a if it's a strong piece of art to begin with in the writing. Um, then there shouldn't be much that you need to do on top of it other than just find the most direct pathway to telling the story and it's like in its in its like ultimate essence wow wow so uh, that is that is is it hard to as a director as an editor is it hard to cultivate that that level of simplicity and which, which to me feels like vulnerability. I might say there's a certain vulnerability in having something so simple. Is it hard to cultivate that vulnerability when things are so simple in in your talent, in your in your actors, as your as you're working with them? Uh, it depends. I mean, because like with some some actors, uh, their comfort zone is making things complicated. And I don't mean that as like a negative mm. thing. It's just that like their, their, their process uh, sometimes maybe, maybe has more steps uh, than mine does. And it's just a matter of like, uh, and so like, I think part of the, part of the sort of like, I don't know, uh, 
I've learned in, through experience of, of, of directing is, is, is sort of, uh, um, meeting them in the middle, you know, either, mm. you know, like, like in some cases trying to sort of like, you know, uh, eliminate some of those like unnecessary layers that they are throwing in there and just getting to the, to the essence of it or working with those, um, working with those layers and sort of meeting halfway and sort of going, okay, like, you know, it, whatever, whatever it takes to build that bridge yeah. between where I'm trying to get them and mm. uh, where they're trying to meet me. Mm. Um, and in that, in the case of the attendant, what was really amazing was just that like, it was, we, we, we treated it uh, like, like a play. Like we, we, we shot it over a course of one night, but we shot it over and over mm -hmm. and over again in its entirety um because i felt it was you know simple shifts in the big you know in early on in the performance can 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 completely change the arc of how it ends so i wanted to make sure to stay true to that and capture all of it so um what was great about the actors is that they were theater actors so mm. that so it was it was easy and then they were pros and they were insanely talented yeah. uh so uh um working with them in that way was 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 really easy and simple amazing one of the things that you you told me about that i, I another connection point for us is improv um yeah. and you've I, I looked over like so much of your work like from from the 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 tv work that you produced at at the pit the, the people's improv theater um I, I see that sort of streak uh, of the work of improv running through things like the the Bob Ross Challenge uh, project that 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 you had put uh, up on up on the YouTube's, um, <laughs> and now there's this whole there's this whole reckoning with improv because of the pandemic and some of the some of the major theaters having prominent figures being canceled or exiting is mm. so i'm it feels like improv is at a crisis point um like this 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 notion and 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 you you mentioned to me also the 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 question of improv for improv's sake versus people who come to new york to do improv in order to get onto a show or to right. to get into a writer's room for for other work what to you, what is what is the state of improv right now, coming out of the pandemic? Yeah, uh, it's it's a tough one um, mm. because yeah, I, yeah, I, there, there's yeah, I I found improv when I was in like seventh or eighth grade doing community theater uh, or or doing a sort of like a, like a you know it was a Saturday morning musical theater workshop uh, that. You know, mm. kids. You know, kids who really loved theater, or whose parents had overactive kids. You know, um, that's where those kids met, and that's actually yeah. where I met my best friend and, and writing partner, Devin Delaquani, who co-wrote Setson with me. Um, yeah. But uh, he, uh, but we, we, there was, there was, um, um, the the theater director taught us this game called Freeze as a warm up, just this imp this improv game. Yeah, you know, where you know it's. It, it's and i uh it like lit me up like it was just like i was like oh like this is a game where i could play whatever character i want and i could like dot dive into any any reality i wanted and 
yeah like, to make people laugh so like from that point on i was like hooked on in in on improv and then um you know the there's you know uh, who's on is it anyway came out and i was like okay that's how it's done professionally and that was mm. yeah i i i went to see uh i was in a play well i was in a play when i was nine years old with a woman named brooke johnson who was in an improv was in a short form improv troupe so this is like 1990 um and and like I, it, was, it was in this like basement of uh i went to go see her perform with um deborah wilson who ended up being on mad tv was yeah, the group. yeah um and it was in this like dingy basement in 1990 <laughs> no 1992 in new york and i was like oh my god this is incredible like this is what i like i would love to do this when i'm you know when i'm when i'm older and an actor in new york yeah um and then I got to college, and so like short form was the only improv that I really knew. And then I took a class with a guy named Bob Callahan, who um, um, he was the teacher, uh, taught at Second City Improv Olympic in Chicago. Sure. And uh, is a, a founding member of Baby Wants Candy. And um, uh, I, and uh, he was the first person to teach me long form improv. And I was like, oh, this is, this is the, this is uh how this is a functional way this is this is a functional way that improv can be used to create drama to create sort of you know things other than just you know short form quick jokes like it, it was more it was more than just making the audience laugh it was it was provocative it was making it, it was a way to sort of create it it elevated the art form for me yeah um and uh um you know, and, and he had studied with Del Close and Martin DeMott and, you know, these like titans of, of improv. So I was like, I want to follow this guy. Yeah. Um, and um, from that point on, improv then became, yeah, it became this like, uh, it, 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 it wasn't just a sort of a means to an end of like getting it, becoming a better comedian or uh, working to find sketch ideas uh, or a place to like work out some stand-up material that I had been writing. It was like, it was, it was something else completely. Uh, and um, so I came to New York in 2006 and um, started taking classes at the pit, started taking classes at UCB. And at that point, like yeah. that was like, as the improv, like the improv bubble was really starting to form and it felt like a community and it felt like it was like, mm um like like this is exactly where i want to be in the new york comedy world um and it was long form improv um and then got an improv team had an improv team called maybe sherman for five years and then by the end of that i had joined really like the, like the pit community um and and yeah i saw the bubble burst like it like it got to a point where like let me like like the the the, the whole uh, the whole idea of getting onto an improv team uh and that improv team could possibly be seen by an agent or a casting director that could put people on snl by like 2012 2013 that was not really a thing that was happening anymore. Um, mm. it, it, you know, the, the, the and uh, the bubble, yeah, the, the, the bubble started to burst. And around that time, yeah. because it was just so, so saturated. Um, and, you know, where, unfortunately, like where a lot of comedians gather, 
<laughs> a lot of comedians. Um, there are there are especially in the, well, I don't know I, I don't want to make that generalization, but like there there's 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 throughout the comedy community, whether it's stand up, sketch, improv, whatever, you know that what there what makes some people or what helps with um, infuse a lot of people's talent is um, trauma um mm. uh comes and that can sometimes come with a lot of other baggage and unfortunately um there are um there are some really toxic there were and continue to be a lot of toxic people in the comedy community and unfortunately for a long time it was sort of accepted behavior um whether it, whether mm. it was you know uh, taking advantage of or like keeping women down or, or, or worse, um, or, yeah. you know, or, or, you know, aggressive drug use or, you know, I mean, a, a lot of those things. And it, it, it eventually with the me too movement, it caught up with the comedy community and there was a reckoning. Um, and a lot of people were, um, were excused from the community. Um, and, um, that's the gentlest way I've ever heard that put. We're excused. excused. Yeah, because it's you know because it, it, it's complicated because like you know the, the, there are some people who like rightfully so kicked the kicked out and because they did awful awful things and there's other people sure. who got caught in the crossfire and unfortunately either you know uh, sort of unceremoniously asked to leave or were uh, or uh, left because it was no longer a community that they felt safe in, which yeah. is, which is, which is unfortunate. So, you know, I think all of that, and I, of course, you know, combining all that was like a big recession and taking yeah. comedy classes and doing yeah. comedy is kind of a, it's a, it's, 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 it's for, for, for most people, it's, it's, it's a, um, oh, what's the word I'm thinking, I'm thinking of? It's, um, uh, uh, it's not like a basic human need, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it, like to, to to take comedy classes and to do comedy. I mean, there's some privilege, yeah. maybe some luxury privilege. to it. That's the yeah, being able to being able to study comedy because yeah. it's yeah, especially that time it was like four hundred, five hundred dollars for a, for a six to eight week class, and most people yeah. did like you know three to seven levels of it. Like it's yeah. it's 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 an expensive career. Uh, and in places like New York, LA, Chicago, you have to sort of, it's sort of the price of admission into the community of being yeah. accepted into being able to perform. Even you have to like pay, you, know, you, you have to take all these classes and pay all this money to do it. And it's a privilege to be able to have that extra money lying around. Um, so it's, yeah. so it's, you know, it, it, I think the recession hit it too. And, um, pandemic was sort of like, like a, like a massive blow, like so mm. many I mean, UCB, which was already on its way out financially by the time the pandemic hit anyway, but it was, it was, it, it, it uh, yeah, um, got hit real hard. And there are a fraction of the amount of comedy theaters still around now than there were before the pandemic. I mean, I don't know that there, I mean, it's, it sucks. It sucks that, that, that all those places that were buzzing with people and comedy and energy are not, are, are, are a lot of them aren't around anymore, but there's always, I don't know. the good always rises from the ashes i find so like you know it's 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 there's there's it's it's bittersweet what what does it look like to find enjoyment or joy or 
the life-giving parts of doing comedy with all of that baggage, all of that weight, like sort of lingering in the last, I guess, I guess it's the last five to 10 years. What, how, how, how do you find the enjoyment of it? How do I find it now or how did I find it while it was all going on? That, oh, that's a good question. Both, maybe? Either um, or? Yeah. I think well, while it was all going on, for the first half of it was all going on, I think it was the the joy, the, the community was so exciting yeah. and, the, and the talent was so high yeah. and the competition was so great that, and also the the blinders were also on in the mm. sense that like, this is how it's always been done and this is how it is. And this sort of the, the reckoning hadn't come yet. And, 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 and people weren't speaking up yet for the most part. And so it was, mm. it was, it was, un, uh, I, I am sort of embarrassed to say that there was a, there was a lot, there was a lot of that going on a lot of like, um, uh, either pretending it's not happening or just not being, or being like gleefully oblivious to it happening at all. Mm. Um, uh, for the first half. And then, and then the second half, it was just, it was like, you know, I feel like for me, at least when, when, whenever trauma happens or, uh, there's, there is, there's, there's a lot of negative energy around, it's sort of like, all right, like what it, like it's getting back to, to what the foundation of what, um, brought me to the work to begin with. Yeah. Um, and why, and for me, it's, be being on stage and performing and making people laugh foundationally is 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 my favorite feeling in the world and i mean and along with that is collaborating and creating something on stage in the moment with a group of people that i trust and i love playing with um mm. that is what sort of really you know ultimately drew me to and kept me loving and doing improv is 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 the 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 act of doing it and creating and um, uh, doing and, and making people, making people laugh uh, with a, with a group of really talented people. Is it after you've been doing this for, for so long, like 10 years, 15 years, you, I mean, like all the way back in the nineties, the like when you saw your first show, is it, is it difficult to, is it is it difficult to keep finding new things to do in improv? Is there is, is there a point where where the the novelty of creating new things on a on a show by show basis becomes old hat? Yeah, I mean, uh, yes and no. I think that's why you find so like so many new improv forms coming out, like even mm. like freestyle love Supreme. Um, I think, you know, like, you know, like, I mean, it's, it's different cause it's music and it's, you know, but it's, yeah. you know, the, uh, um, I first heard about it from like improv friends of mine who were like, Hey, like these guys are, you know, are doing comedy, you know, and, 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 and bridging uh, hip hop, you know, and comedy. Yeah. And um, I think that's sort of in like, uh, you know, the, there are all of these forms that you learn going through improv classes, whether it's the mono scene or, um, or, uh, the, or like documentary or the Spokane or, you know, uh, uh, there are all these forms which are structures for you to sort of, you know, uh, 
to do make em ups in between, you know, you know, within. But yeah. um, I feel like uh, people get tired of seeing the same form over and over and over again. That's why keep, they, they, people keep trying to create new forms. I think like there was a, there, there, I just have to have a joke uh, when we first started doing doing improv that like every new team thought that they came up with the idea of doing a choose your own adventure improv form <laughs> where like but it's you know like, like everyone would always like they'd, they'd have a show and they present it as if like they were the first ones to come up with it but the 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 but like the the intention is is i think the same with most improv groups is that they're like all right we're gonna do what, what came before us but we're gonna do it a little differently <laughs> um and i think that is what um, I think that's people's attempt at keeping the improv form fresh um, and sort of trying to trying to spin it and present improv in new ways with new forms. Um, and I and and for for me, it's you know I um I mean I'm I must say I'm guilty of that because I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But it's it's the sure. the you know uh, um, a few years ago I created a show. Um, uh, you know, it's like a, a um, called awkward family dinner, uh, where it's yeah. a yeah, where it's a, you know it's 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 a it's it's a mono scene, which means that it's a it's 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 um um a single location all told in uh in real time, but mm. it's around it's a it's a it's a family drama around a dinner table. So the the whole concept is is that like you know I was like all right like what have I not seen before? And I was like I don't what I love to see and what I love to watch and what I don't see often on stage is like really grounded like family meal dramas you know like you know mm. you know it's something so relatable as like a family or a group of people like chosen family coming together um to have a meal that's where like really interesting drama and comedy sort of na- can you know naturally flourish and um uh so i created it with like uh, the first one was thanksgiving dinner so every performer comes in uh <laughs> it's a potluck it's an actual potluck we have on stage so every performer comes with their own dish um that they bring in but they don't tell anyone else what they're bringing so it's like it's always sort of a surprise it's a surprise oh wow when we show up um it's sort of this like built-in plot twist or these like built-in curveballs where it's like you know like we've had so many meals where people just where like eight people bring sides and no one brings a main we just have to deal with it <laughs> because it's there it's in front of us and you know so but you know it's um but yeah so like that 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 was something that i created and i just thought it was gonna be like we do it for like a show or two and we're still doing it six seven years later and i'm trying to turn that form into a film where it's gonna be a fully improvised film like no like no written outline just a format you know just a form you know just like you know people have been creating for the improv for decades of, you know, it's just, we create the form yeah. in which we play within. And then everyone, the, you know, all the performers, all the camera, all the, all the, all the camera people, the camera ops, everyone is going to be improvising for the, you know, no one's going to know what's going to happen coming yeah. in. All they know is that it's going to be a group of people meeting for dinner. Uh, and they're each bringing, you know, uh, a, uh, they're each bringing a dish and over the course of an hour and a half to two hours we're going to film it cinematically but like that that to me is sort of my attempt at like continue at like continuing to keep to 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 innovate within Mm. the improv space and 
do something that hasn't been done before, but that is like so foundationally what I love, which is film, improv, creating with people and trying something new. So that's, that's, mm. that's sort of my current way of trying to sort of do, you know, I'm trying to keep do what you're doing, what you're asking, which is like keeping it fresh and keeping things new and having it not feel like old hat. There's such a gentleness to that. In, I, 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 I guess what I'm noticing is that you're, it's exactly as you say, you're innovating in, in, in a way that somehow just doesn't feel forced or, or coerced or rushed. And that somehow, I, I don't, I don't know why, but that just seems refreshing, especially in this era where everything like that we consume in theater on 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 the small screen on our on our phones on socials everything feels recycled or i mean we this is probably not a fair characterization of tiktok but we have we have a new social media platform for social media's sake when when we just had vine what like three gosh like 10 years ago yeah hmm yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, Vine was like game changing, but a lot of the things that are like, you know, a lot of like the, the, the companies or like the, the, the ideas that are like game changing end up being like, Oh, that's something new and interesting. And then some other company or some other group comes in and perfects it. And they're the ones who like, mm. you know, you know, like, you know, so it's like, you know, I mean like Vine was great for a while and made a lot of people very famous, but then like, yeah. you know, I think, I think a lot of people like they know TikTok, but like, and like TikTok obviously came from Vine, but like not a lot of people go, Oh, remember Vine? Like a lot of people, I think, have either forgot, didn't know it existed or have forgotten it existed altogether and <laughs> just know, you know, Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts, yeah. and uh, and TikTok. It's like, remember my Zune? <laughs> <laughs> remember my, rem, re, remember Real Player? Like, like the, the subscription music like business model existed like decades ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's fascinating. It's fascinating for sure. And and, and I don't know. And, I mean, it's you you talked about how it's sort of the the idea sort of feels sort of gentle and that sort of like you know organic in a way. I don't know. It. I've been wanting to do it for way longer, and I've been mm. scared to do it. So to me, it doesn't feel. It doesn't feel gentle. It feels very because like I have time. I like because it's 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 a very big. It's like the biggest thing that I'm working on and that I'm like, yeah, yeah. thinking about. And it feels very. It's so interesting that like how it sort of comes across versus like how it feels inside of me because it's like, like there's like no one's asking for it. No one's going like, hey, there's this, there's this, there's this gap here. And I feel like if someone was asking for it, it would be a lot easier. It would be a lot, a lot easier for me to, to do it because it's someone else's expectations now being yeah. set. But like for like, for, for, for me with this idea, it's like very, uh, the, the, the hoops that I'm jumping through internally are like very uh, violent and aggressive because oh. it's, 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 because it's, 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 it's forcing me to come to terms with a lot of my like fears and insecurities about like, mm putting myself out there. I think, I don't know if I mentioned this to you yesterday, but I was, I was, um, 
the the show that I've been doing the past couple of years, Art Smackdown. Yeah. Um, I had a one of the artists uh, message me. Um, I'd shared one of um, um, one of their pieces on Instagram, and they they said something about how uh, um, uh, when someone shares their work, they aren't just sharing their work; they're sharing the part of them that is excited about it. And hmm. um, for me, it's like like I think a lot of people would be way more comfortable sharing art if people just saw the if 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 the only thing that like was being judged or on display was the art itself. But I think so much of like, yeah, I think what, what, what scares people away, me included of putting things out there that really mean a lot to me and that are really vulnerable is that like vulnerable side of like, Oh no, this is a reflection of me. This art is a, is an, is an extension and reflection of me. Therefore, if it is judged, I am judged. And I think it's, Mm. it's, it's something that like has, uh, um, uh, I think inferred a lot of the art that I've made and also has like kept me, held me back from putting out a lot of the art that I would have wanted to put out. You, you put out one, one of the art pieces that I saw you put out is, is quite possibly at least as far as I can see, one of the most vulnerable pieces a person could write. And you wrote a one person show. Wait, yeah. you wrote you wrote um, you wrote Stetson. You told me that it was about it, w- it was partially about about the death of your dad. Um, can can you tell tell us a little bit? Yeah, that? sure. Yeah, yeah. It was um yeah in 2011. Yeah, my dad was um well 2010. My dad was diagnosed with stage four uh, cancer, non Hodgkin's mm. lymphoma, and it was a big hit because like for years, mm-hmm. I mean. My dad and I, like, uh, from, like, high school into, like, my, like, mid-20s had, like, a very sort of, like, uh, um, a roller coaster like, relationship. It was, it was it really just it came down to, like, I didn't think that he, like, understood or, you know, uh, like, understood me and the path that I was taking. And, um, mm-hmm. um, and, and he didn't, but it, it, I, it was just, it was, it was, it was, a, uh, basically, it was just us that, uh, um, sort of bashing heads uh, a lot. Um, so like he, he and I sort of like lost a few years there as far as like getting close. And then when he got mm. sick, that was, I was, I was a freelance, you know, I was a freelance, you know, freelance video production. And I, I, yeah. I both yeah. my brothers had families and worked and I was just like, I was the one who can come home and take care of them. In that time, we really came, we became very, very close. And I really got to catch up on a lot of time with him. Yeah. Um, and, uh, when he passed away, I was the only one who was with him. Um, mm. And um, uh, like passed away, like, 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 like when he passed away, like I had like my like, hands on his chest trying to like, just intuitively trying to like help him like sort of break through because he was like having trouble breathing. It was like, it, yeah. like to me felt like he was like trying to leave his body. And I just, I was like, maybe I'll put my hands on his chest and like something happened. <laughs> and uh, he, that, was it that's what he was what he needed and uh, whatever i was able to give him um wow. he um uh that's what um helped him through and um i so I, I spent uh the next you know couple of years trying to figure out what it was and what i was thankfully gifted with the knowledge of uh, from a friend was that oh like it was like reiki energy 
that mm. I was tapped into. And mm. I started to learn it. So the show is sort of a, it, it's a combination of things. It's both, it's like his, it's, it's, it's my dad and my relationship, but it's also through my own um, sort of journey through spirituality and trying to sort of understand who I am, what that power was, um, you know, so, you know, going through, you know, Vipassana meditation, Reiki, uh, yeah. comedy, um, and all, and also with like the sort of added layer of when I was in high school, there was this period of time where it was just sort of how I approached life. I was just very optimistic, but I also was like not the most like self-aware person. My friends mm. call, used uh, initially called it like the Ben Stiller syndrome, where like Ben Stiller from like from from Meet the Parents of like no matter how <laughs> hard he tried to do the right thing, the harder he tried to do the right thing, the worse the conclusion would be. Um, you know, mm. like 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 it's uh, like um, so it went from being Stiller to being Stetson. Um, and so this whole idea that like, there's this like spiritual, yeah. like just cosmic rain cloud above me all the time, just constantly raining and not like real awful terrible things, but just like really major inconveniences. Like somehow the act of me trying to get all of the documents together to get my license somehow prevented me from getting my license for a year. <laughs> like it was just it, like, 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 it, it, like stuff like that. So Stetson, it's the relationship with my dad, my relationship with spirituality and told through sort of the arc of um, me breaking the sort of Stetson curse and sort of finding and finding myself. Is there, is there heaviness to that? Like, it seems like that would be a, a lot to carry. When you describe being majorly inconvenienced, Regardless of how major the inconvenience is, it almost seems like you are managing a sense of you should see the other guy like the other person has it like there are other people who have it a lot worse. Um, <laughs> and that like, to to be in that position just feels like that would be such a heavy burden to carry. Since I was a kid, like I was like, com yeah. I was I was um, like comedy was my medium and not drama. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so a lot of that do just like my outlook on life mm. that like that like like it's my first instinct whenever something like unfortunate would happen to me first of all my first instinct would always be to laugh like <laughs> it wouldn't be to be like oh woe is me like 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 i was never really charlie brown about it but oh. i you know what i mean where like like, like like i would never really let it get me down it was always sort of it was always like like i i the cosmic joke was never lost on me mm. um, because it never really ended in like someone dying or like, you know, or like, like, like that, like, like nothing was ever, it never really seemed to have like majorly long-term effects. Mm. Um, uh, so I think it was, it was less, but like the, where it became a burden was when my friends started to attribute whenever it would happen to them to me because of my proximity to them while it was happening. So like, uh, you know, like, uh, like, uh, like when like a friend of mine um, had to catch a flight back to New York from Florida, um, he was in Tampa, but yeah. the flights coming, going up from Tampa weren't going to get him home in time. So he had to like go out of his way 
to go to Orlando in order to get back in time to help. Like it was always like well intentioned. So he, like he was he was trying to get back home to help uh, to help his mom out. And mm. so he so he took the earlier flight. He you know rented a car, drove an hour and a half to Orlando, catch a flight. He gets on the flight. He falls asleep because he got her up so early. He wakes up and they're still on the tarmac. The flight's been delayed two hours. If he had just taken the slightly later flight from Tampa, uh, mm. he would have gotten there earlier. So it's like mm. it's 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 more like co- these like cosmic jokes that would follow me around <laughs> when my friends would experience it. They'd be like, "Hey, uh, um, thanks for calling me that morning. You jinxed me." It's basically like like it turned into a sort of like just another form of jinxing that like this mm. my my yeah my proximity to them during or before yeah. a stetsoning would make it a stetsoning uh so like so so at that point i'd be like well i started to feel guilty i started to feel like it was my fault mm. so like you know I, I, eventually my oldest brother jay would be like like it's okay like, hey, i think i really need to talk to you about these stetsonings because i think you're i think like i think that you thinking that they exist is what's what's allowing them to continue existing like 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 if you just recognize that these aren't your fault you have nothing to do with these other than the fact that maybe you should um approach certain situations with a little bit more like organization or self-awareness or whatever maybe look at like like look at like like look at yourself and figure out like what you can or or do do to sort of to to tangibly create these scenarios but like stop believing that you're cosmically cursed because the more you believe you're cosmically cursed the more that that curse will continue to exist self-fulfilling prophecy exactly exactly so um once i started to sort of like think of it that way and also start to like really do you know serious spiritual work um uh they the the stetsoning started to go away and it was really triggered by my dad's death Mm. tell me tell me more about that so so you you mentioned the the reiki and like i i know nothing about this besides like the 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 like tiny little bit of reading that i did to to be ready to to chat to you about it What, what tell tell me all about it after my dad passed away i was concerned that like whatever had been done when he was passing away, like it felt like I, um, so I, I had done energy work like with a, with a friend of mine in England a few years before that, it was just sort of like, yeah. it was something that, that she had learned when she was a kid from her mother. It was just sort of like energy transference between two people Yeah, that, she, that, that she taught me in college. It was just, you know, like closing our eyes and putting our hands up and sort of just like, uh, you know, getting in tune with each other's energy and sort of, and kind of, you know, manipulating it, which then turned into uh, kind of, you know, doing energy work on different people. And when I did it on her roommates, like, you know, just essentially they would like lie down and I would just like, you know, like hover my hands over them and I would just like manipulate energy. And um, that night in the middle of the night, uh, my friend and all of her and all and and two of her roommates, they all woke up in the middle of the night puking. What? Yeah, they all woke up and promptly vomited. <laughs> and I was like, and so I woke up the next morning. They're like, hey, uh, 
I don't know what you did, but I got real sick last night and I was like, oh shit, I can't do this anymore because I, uh, I am hurting people. I am making, like, I am making people sick. And then, um, when my dad was really sick, I was like, I feel like I have this, uh, I don't know. There's something here. Like, yeah. like the energy in his body is obvious because all the chemo is like, he's like, you know, in pain. I was like, maybe there's something I can do yeah. here, but I didn't really know. I don't have the education or the tools. Okay. And then until he was actually on his deathbed dying. And I was like, well, let's see what happens when I put my hands on his chest. And, um, uh, eventually when I was told that it was Reiki and I met with, um, I, I, I took, I was connected with this, um, uh, this, this Reiki master named, uh, named Raven, Raven Kais, um, who actually gave me this, um, this dragon on a jade ball, uh, that I still wear to this day. When I met her, um, she was able to sort of set me straight and be like, Oh no, like what you did for them was like, you cleared their energy out. Like, 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 like when they puked, like you, like, like that was like purging in that scenario is a good thing. You know, it's, 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 yeah. you, 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 you were doing good things. You just didn't know what you were doing. So I studied with her for three years and went to Glastonbury, England with, 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 with her and learned a whole bunch of, um, you know, different, you know, um, types of, 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 of Reiki and, and, and energy work. And, um, uh, I brought it to my burning man camp and, um, would do Reiki attunements and, 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 um, uh, you know, I, 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 there was, um, uh, there was one year where I, I think I, I attuned like over 200 people, um, to Reiki one what? and two. Um, it would just, it became a huge, it, it became like, I was like, Oh, now that I understand what this is, like, it's a gift that I can, I can give people. Um, so yeah, I mean, whether it was giving people, you know, doing you know, Reiki, like healing sessions on them or whether it was attuning them. Um, yeah, it became a really, really big part of my life for, for, for a while. I mean, I still do Reiki on myself. I just like have, sure. you know, I just, uh, I just, you know, it, it was never something that I was going to be like, I'm going to be a Reiki practitioner and this is going to be my career or my, you know, it, but it, it's something that I like, I, you know, I, I, uh, fuse you know i i i do reiki on my food um i do reiki on myself you know, when i want to sleep at night it's just it's just sort of a, a way of connecting to the sort of universal life energy and and sort of staying grounded in that way and i, I even i even infuse it into my work sometimes wow grounded so so wow 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 as I said, this is something that I know like 100% zero about. I can promise you that at least to the best of my knowledge, there are very few courses that are currently being offered in the great halls of like divinity schools up like up a couple states north of us <laughs> where you can go and take like Reiki level one. Or I, I, I'm probably saying some sort of horrible heresy and calling it Reiki level one, but like, like what, whatever, like the, the, the 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 freshman seminar <laughs> at Yale Divinity School and breaking <laughs> yeah it, it, it's 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 a crazy it's a crazy thing it's like I mean like people who like like me who like get into it like they get like really I mean it's it, it becomes such a such a such a like such a massive piece of their life and other people you know I mean for for a lot of other people it's sort of like you know it's a it's 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 
and I get why it's super fucking woo woo, you know, but like, it's a, you know, it's, 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 it's the fact that it went from being like, not like, like nowhere at all. And now it's actually a punchline. It means that it's actually like somewhere in the zeitgeist now, which is cool. Um, but you know, and uh, what's even cooler is my Ricky mentor now, like her past few years, her whole thing has been educating people about it and getting it into, um, into hospitals where it can be mm. offered to people who are getting like, like, during surgery they can mm. in, in in a lot of hospitals they can uh they can um uh they can ask to have a, a reiki practitioner present um uh in the in the room uh in the operating room uh while they're either giving birth or getting brain surgery or heart surgery or whatever it's 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 um they've started doing it you know at new york presbyterian they're doing it i think in london now too it's like it's it's wow. it's, it's it's starting to become a thing so what is it for you? Like, is it, does it, does it, does it still feel like a big thing? Does it feel like a thing that it has its, like, it has its space, like in the, in the giant sort of library that is Mark Stetson? Like, does it have its shelf or, or is it? Yeah. Yeah, it does. I mean, it, it, where it once was like a defined, it, it, it was like such, when it was like, when I was learning about it and it was like, new and exciting and like we're starting yeah. to figure it out it was it was it was kind of like a defining part of my identity for a while where like i talked about it probably way too much i like offered it to people who like uh who uh, like 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 i offered it to to to, to my sister-in-law at one point when she was like first pregnant and i was like i was like i was like i was that annoying like brother-in-law who was like who was like but like you know, Reiki is going to help you and the baby. And, you know, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it, it'd be you know, silly for you to just not to do it. You know, there's, and she's like, no, I'm cool. I'm okay. Uh, thanks. Um, <laughs> you were like the Billy Graham for Reiki. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, so eventually I was like, Hey, you know, maybe, maybe, um, you know, cause it, cause it, it also became clear to me. It's like the people, cause like my wife is sort of like, uh mm. like touch and go with it like it's like 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 right. like she she uh like it's there's it became clear to me it's like you have to believe in it yeah. in order for it to for, for you to allow it to affect you yeah um i mean you don't have to but like it's there are certain levels of like where it can do its work and it's like anything else if you don't believe in it you're not going to feel the effects of it uh so um, it's so it became, so I was like, all right, like, it's like, and also, you know, I started going through it, like, you know, like, like all of us in lockdown started going, yeah, everyone's gone through a tough time. I was like, I think I'm just going to yeah. integrate it into my own practice. And then if people mm. ask for it, if people want it, I'll offer it and gladly do it. You know, like, yeah, I'd say I probably, you know, um, I probably do it on, uh, I practice it on another person maybe once, twice a year. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's I, 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 it's been helpful for me, and you know, it's if if, if it sort of works out that I'm able to, um, to, uh, to do Reiki with someone, then it's great. But if not, it's just it's 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 just a part of my practice and works great for me. It's this is, um, an ex an ex once said said. Um, being with you is like being in a proselytism free zone. So this is a Reiki proselytism free zone, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you, 
as, as, as we were getting ready, you, you talked about, you talked about your family a little bit. Um, you mentioned, um, that, that you and you and your spouse, you and you and your wife, Allison are, are freezing your embryos. Yep. What yeah. is, like, we did what today. is the process of it that? Like? The, the retrieval happened this morning. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I know nothing about it. Like I, but besides seeing it as some random plot point in, in a mid season episode of law and order, uh, <laughs> yeah. what, what, what was it? What was the experience like? So, yeah, I mean, it's, so I, I, I have, I, I feel like I've been like giving this qualifier every time I bring it up. Initially, I was like, "Oh, it's for other people's benefit." But I think it's really more for mine. Um, uh, we, my wife and I, have not yet started to try to have kids naturally, because um, I feel like a, a lot with just, I guess, more often than not, when people uh, decide to freeze their embryos, uh, it's because uh, they are trying it after you know a certain amount of time of not conceiving naturally yeah. um but my wife decided because uh you know we're we're both um uh we're both uh well, I'm, I'm 38 she's going to be 38 this summer oh, okay. and um uh we only recently have you know really decided to like be get serious about considering to have kids like we mm. haven't totally decided yet but we know that it's 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 gonna have to be something that we decide on sooner rather than later just due to just uh, time um and you've made um, the decision to be serious about the decision correct exactly which is like yeah. which is like the most like non-committal thing it's like we're gonna we've decided that we're gonna have the conversation about talking about it at some point <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like it's yeah. it's but it's but it's i mean it's 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 sort of you know where we're at with it but we knew yeah. that we're we're gonna be moving um we live in hoboken now we're gonna move upstate um mm sometime in the next you know few months to a year mm. and we knew that um if we were to decide to try to have kids we didn't want to go through the two most stressful life transitions that you can go through uh mm. at the same time mm. um or at least two of the top three um so we were like okay let so we were like let's pri we'll prioritize moving um and um my wife Allie was like, was like, well, um, I'm gonna look into freezing my eggs because that will mm. give us the most sort of like, because it's, you know, who knows how many eggs I'll have left in a year, year and a half. Might as well look into egg to freezing my eggs so that we can, mm. I can at least know that I have X amount of viable eggs. And then the um, the uh, the fertility clinic was like, actually, at where you guys are at, you know, age and sort of, you know, the, just where we're at with the, with the decision making, we actually yeah. recommend that you freeze embryos. Because that way you'll know exactly how many viable, like embryos, um, um, you'll have after the whole process, as opposed to just freezing your eggs. Because both, because you know the the as men get older, their you know their their sperm you know also becomes less viable and less mm. potent. Um, so we're like, cool, yeah, let's do that. So you know, it's it's um so about three weeks ago. She started on hormones and then, um, you know, um, it's as, uh, any woman or any man or any, any human at this point who has taken hormones could tell you that it's a fucking roller coaster. Mm. Um, you know, both physically and mentally, emotionally, um, mm. psychologically, you know, all of it. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, some days are better than others, but it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, um, the person taking the hormones is, you know, has to 
essentially give themselves two shots a day uh, for 10 days wow. um, in the stomach. And some people, and it's, it's, it's a very kind of interesting character study because some people prefer their partner to do it. Some people uh, prefer, I mean, prefer their partner to actually like, you know, give the shot. Uh, <laughs> I want to freeze my eggs, but I want my partner to take the hormones. Is that cool? <laughs> um, uh, so, but you know, but like, uh, but my wife, um, as many, um, I think also opt to do, um, she wanted to do it herself. She, you know, if, yeah. if, if, if she, if anyone was going to mess it up, it was going to be her. And if anyone <laughs> is going to make sure that it's done right, it's also going to be her. So, yeah. um, um, yeah. So, uh, it was just, you know, it's, so for me, it was just a lot of like support. And, um, we also both because of COVID, a lot of the fertility clinics have a very strict COVID policy because, you know, mm. getting COVID, you know, throws off the whole, the, can, can throw off the whole process. And based on, um, you know, that a lot of the hormones, all the shots, a lot of everything has to be done in a very particular time frame in a particular yeah. way. Um, uh, COVID can, can be a completely wrecking ball with it. And they, and they, yeah. and just liability wise, they're like, we reserve the right to shut down your process at any time in the process due to COVID issues, uh, COVID related issues. So we were like, all right, let's just lock it down. So like, so like best three weeks has been just a lot of like us, you know, um, in, in a, you know, in hibernation and, uh, sort of, you know, working through the, the roller coaster of, uh, of emotions and physical um, reactions, uh, which thankfully, in comparison to most people who you know, who've, who've, you know, who've, who've taken, not most people, like the on the spectrum of like of uh, side effects, yeah. um, my wife's were like for the most part relatively mild. So like mm. it wasn't really like it wasn't it wasn't uh, uh, it wasn't a huge roller coaster but it was you know a minor one um yeah and then today we went in and um um she gave her eggs and i gave my sperm and um we'll know in a few days um what's viable or not and if if and if this you know we've been calling this whole process sort of our insurance policy for kids (laughs) because it's like you know it's 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 like you know if we decide in a, you know, a few months or a year to, to really start trying to have kids. Yeah. Uh, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's insurance that we, 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 we have, we have good options. That's wow. Wow. That, yeah. And, and, and you, yeah. Wow. Um, I'm, I'm speechless. I'm, Oh, wow. <laughs> well, I, then I succeeded. No, I, uh, <laughs> this is, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, Hopefully, I can give you your words back. Yeah, I, I, I hope, I hope they get found too. Um, gosh, that's. I, I'm, I'm thinking about the commitment to. I'm thinking about the the commitment to this. To to the possibility, like like. I, I was talking I was t- listening to to someone talk about like hope and possibility and and potential and it it seems like that act is just an act of all of those things like hopefully it takes I can't imagine that it's exactly like an affordable procedure be- being that 
I, I would guess that a person does it, a family does it once in their life <laughs> or, may, or, or, or maybe more if it doesn't take, I don't know, but there's, there's, it feels like there's like quite a profound commitment of time and energy and emotion and, and, and the, the physical body as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a part of me that's sort of like, I mean, I can't, I mean, having not, not been the one who went through the, I mean, what my wife went through the past three weeks, like, I I mean, it's a little early for me to ask her this question, but I think, you know, it would be interesting to see like whether or not this process has solidified her, um, her desire to try for kids or not. Um, Mm. but, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, for me, at least, you know, that like, I mean, it's, it's like, um, I think it has potentially pushed me like further in that direction, just in the sense of like the, it, this forces you to sort of have an opinion, I think one way or the mm. other or have, or, or to either fortify or dissolve your desire to like go through this on a larger scale of like my wife being pregnant or like, mm. you know, um, and, and then also, you know, like in the midst of all of this, the Roe v. Wade, you know, um, indecision yeah. came through and it just, it just, it hit me in a different way. Like, 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 like the, the, you know, like we weren't going through this process when the, uh, when it got leaked the first time and I didn't have this reaction, but like this time, since we're in the midst of going through it, like I had a very visceral reaction to it. And, you know, it was, it was, it was, it, it, it surprised me. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I still haven't fully processed, um, exactly in what way it has like affected my opinion or my perception on mm. like what our future or what I want in our future to be. But it's, yeah. uh, it, it, but like, yeah, the, the, the feeling of like hope, hope that this takes, um, you know, that it works like, you know, like, mm. like the, like knowing that if for whatever reason we don't have any viable embryos after this, like, yeah, like there is disappointment that I am afraid of potentially experiencing, uh, for both myself and my wife, uh, and yeah. a, and a level of excitement that like, of like, that, that I'm sort of like waiting to find out this news of what it's all going to look like. So it's, I, I, I think that, you know, um, I think maybe we had to step into this process with the like low stakes, low expectations. <laughs> Yeah. Um, like we even told our parents, we were like, cause like, I mean, luckily, I mean, like, like, like our parents were offered to, to, to be very, to be helpful with, with the finances of it. But thankfully my, yeah. my, my insurance covered it, but if they hadn't covered it, it is, a, it is a, I mean, it's $22,000, um, wow. without insurance, um, with insurance, it, it's it a was, car, <laughs> it was, it's a car, it's a car, it's a, car. And, it's a um, nice car. Yeah. Thankfully with my insurance, it was 300 and change. So like. It's insane, but it, also, like, like the level of privilege that of like people who can afford to do these things, mm. the privilege of having a job that has benefits, the privilege of yeah. of uh, or privilege of having twenty two thousand dollars to spend on it, like it's 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 another it's another one of those things. It's like it's like comedy where it's like it's like. <laughs> Getting your embryo frozen, IVF is like comedy. It's not, um, <laughs> but it's 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 it, but it, it's similar in the sense of like you need to be like you need to be of the of uh, of the unfortunate few yeah. in this country who can afford 
um, to pursue that, um, which is uh, also angering. But um, mm. uh, yeah, but yeah, but it's it, it's sort of it's it's but like going through all of that and sort of realizing all of that. Yeah, I think it did sort of push me further in the direction of of um, I think uh, yeah of wanting to have children. I think mm. it's the first time I'm saying it out loud. You got an exclusive listener. <laughs> an exclusive Actually, everyone came into this being like, I wonder if we're going to hear for the first time whether Mark Stetson wants children. <laughs> who knows? Um, who, who knows indeed? Um, so we're, I, I mean, is that, I mean, yeah. is that something that, 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 that you've considered? That's a, that, that's a good question. Is I that mean, too heavy of a question for the guest to ask the host? <laughs> no, that's a, that's a perfectly fair question. Um, I think I think for for me the question of having kids I would I interestingly enough I was talking about this with my ex-wife um I I think for for me the the challenge of having kids it it was always this thing where I would find excuses to not really deal with the fact that I couldn't imagine having kids and gender gender roles and identity is 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 a beautiful and complex but decidedly not simple thing for me and when you when i stripped away all of the layers to that it wasn't necessarily that i didn't want to have kids but i couldn't imagine being a dad Mm. because because the 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 gendered expectations of being a dad and playing that specific role in the creation of life was not something that that I really saw for myself. But when I released that and I thought, well, yes, understanding anatomy-wise that that I'm not in a position where I could carry a child, but if I could if I could be a parent, if I could like be be a person who is responsible for cultivating and maintaining and like building the container that life can happen. I can do that. Hmm. I probably need to go and like have like a good five day run on jeopardy to be able to like afford this kid's like college by the time that like I have a partner that I want to be a, be a parent, be a mom with, but yeah. So, wow. I, yeah. I was, I, that's, that's a really good question for the host. Um, well done you. <laughs> well i um, thank you th- i mean i thank you for for trusting me enough to sh- to, to share yeah, that with me sure and and you too listeners i guess um <laughs> so so as we're as we're drawing this to a close yeah the the question that that i've been asking everybody that that, that feels feels right as the closer is when you think about the the journey that you've been through with these through lines of comedy and figuring things out as you go and the energy of healing and and growth what do you want the world to look like when you're done with it damn that's a that's a great that's a great question um for me to create things um i i've kind of a a a compulsive uh um personality as far as like mm-hmm. creating things and wanting to 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 
create things with people with myself to yeah. put things out into the world and there's this there's I, I i i'm jewish and i went to a jewish summer camp growing up and um big thing that i took away from it um i have a lot of com- complicated uh opinions about the jewish camp that i went to but the the one thing that, that i pulled from it that i think is really wonderful is this idea uh it's called tikkun olam um mm. which uh i believe the little translation is fix the room but i th- but the 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 ultimate sort of the what the the term really you know is is is, is meant to say is uh, heal the world and mm. um that uh is sort of and i i i it's it's the idea that like it's 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 our responsibility to leave the world better than we found it and um for 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 me it's 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 um i don't know i i i have i've always felt very privileged growing up uh and having a family that supported and was very like clear in what they felt my gifts were my talent empowering and you know me and, and 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 things that i was that they felt I was talented in doing mm. and, and, and uh, more and more to the point, what, what, what I wanted to do and, and what I felt I was good at. And as I've sort of gotten older and sort of realized that I, I, I do have talents and I am good at certain things. I do have gifts and that I, I that gifts are sort of um, are uh, gifts are meant to be given, <laughs> you know? So like mm. uh, any, so I, I, whenever I don't have a project that I'm working on, uh, there's either a reason for it. Like I'm going, like I'm depressed <laughs> or, it's just, uh, it's or it's it, uh, it's just a very rare moment where I don't have anything on the docket. But whenever I don't yeah. have anything that I'm working on, I feel like I'm wasting time. I feel like um, the things that I have to offer are being wasted on nothing. Um, and mm. it's it, it's sort of like it's like if I'm not doing something with the things that I feel that I'm good at and the feel that I'm passionate about doing, then what the fuck am I doing? So like more important than like me putting the art out that's in my head it's so important for me and it drives me to help to help other people bring their dreams and art um into fruition um Hmm. so what i want the world to look like i mean i want i mean you know, uh, aside from the like, you know, I want there to be peace, and I want the 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 I want the earth to not be slowly dying, and actually be like, yeah. you know, um, you know, uh, being treated well. And I mean, you know, all of those things aside, what I constantly come back to daily, whenever I really sit I sit down and think about it, is I would just nothing would make me happier than to be leaving this earth. In, uh, knowing that and being able to like, like kind of look back over my shoulder and see it flooded with incredible heartfelt and meaningful art put out by um, uh, people that I know and love and uh, believe in um, either their talent or their art or the, you know, their, their mission, like to be able to help, you know, I, I feel like I can I can do more um, by you know helping other people. Like I think I think I can reach more people by helping as many people as possible get yeah. shit out into the world um, and sort of and 
have them pay that energy forward and just sort of create the sort of large scale domino effect of like amazing heart with, I mean, amazing art, <laughs> amazing heart, amazing art with wonderful heart behind it. And with mm. just like, you know, just spreading messages of just love and empowerment and um, kindness um, for other people and the, the world. I don't know. Is that real sappy? That's inc- <laughs> no, that's incredible. Um, like, I, I think it's like we're, we're, we're both trained comics from, from the improv side. Um, and, and, and there, there's, I, I, I don't know. I think there's just something, there's so much to, there's something to like accessing like that, like core, that like core belief, like that, that thing like way down down deep below the and at the core layer that that like we like to we like to cover sometimes and and to to let that little bit of vulnerability just shine through and be the the beautiful gift to others as you've said that it is and 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 as i've experienced that it is so thank you so much for 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 sharing that and and for 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 just being on the show thank you so much mark thank you i i, I, I i've said it a bunch to you but i'm gonna say it again uh, just how how uh, much it, it meant to me that you asked me to do this because it's you know, I, I don't know it's i um uh um it is a rare thing for me um to be put in the position that you've put me in of like being able to like to talk about why I do things and the things that are important and to actually like, you know, to, to, to look back and celebrate the things that I've done. Uh, and, um, uh, and especially through this lens, like, it's just like, it just like, it's, it's, I feel very seen in a way that, uh, is, uh, is rare. And, um, I just really appreciated that you asked me that you like took the time to like watch my stuff. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, thank you. And I, I, think that this podcast is such a wonderful idea and that it's going to be awesome because it's it's got so much of you and heart in it my thanks to mark stetson and oh my gosh so grateful again for you being my first taped remote guest and taking a chance on the show Check out his productions company's website, gbpromedia.com, and follow him on all of the links below, but especially Stetsoned Again, Art Smackdown, Awkward Family Dinner, and of course, Mashable. Thank you so much for tuning in to Uncommon Good with Polly Reese. This program is produced in Southwest Philadelphia on the unceded land of the Lenny Lenape tribe and the Black Bottom community. If you enjoyed listening to the show, please support us by leaving us a five-star review and a comment and subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help people find us. Uncommon Good is also available on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram at Uncommon Good Pod. Follow us there for closed captioned video content and more goodies. We love questions and feedback. You can send us a DM on social media or an email at uncommongoodpod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Until next time, wishing you every uncommon good to do your uncommon good, to be the uncommon good.